don't think you have to have this big formal office and like all the bells and whistles. The new guard is rethinking how to spend money, but revolutionizing the client journey in the process. That's great if you're able to afford that, but if you're not, you can still be professional, still be available and just use space as needed. That saves a lot of money. According to a recent survey, only 19% of managing partners in U.S. law firms are female. We would like to see that change. Hello, and welcome to Law Her, the show where we celebrate the trailblazing attorneys and entrepreneurs who are changing the game for women in the legal field. Be inspired by their stories, learn from their mistakes, and look forward to the future they're helping build for the next generation of women in law. I am Sonia Palmer, your host and VP of Operations at Rankings, the SEO agency of choice for personal injury lawyers. This is Law Her. Paige Sparks, owner of Freshly Minted Sparks Law, has already figured out one of the most complex aspects of running a firm. On TikTok, lawyer Paige has over 200,000 followers. Many of her videos have gone viral. Attracting millions of eyes, she offers practical legal advice and tosses out myths that are more like urban legends than law. With her marketing figured out, she has more flexibility to rethink the essentials of building a firm. Today, we cover some of the unexpected practicalities of starting a firm, hustling on the side to fund her dreams, and simple systems to capture ideas when they strike. Let's dive in. And I kind of accidentally got started in employment law because it's not a big area of law, especially in St. Louis. There aren't a lot of people that do it. And so when I was clerking, I worked on a case where I was like, wow, this is really cool. And it made sense in my brain because it's kind of like a formula for discrimination, for example, where it's like protected individual makes the protected complaint, something bad happens. Now you have a case. So that's kind of what really attracted me to it. And then I just started getting more of those cases. So I was able to primarily shift just to that. That's super smart. One, to go where there's a little bit less competition. And then two, to create the formula. So you're not having to reinvent the wheel every time you try a case you know what to expect. You can try more cases. And it's so narrow for what we're able to bring anyway. So it's like, if it doesn't fit that formula, it's not really much I can do usually with Employment Law in Missouri, especially. But yeah, thank you. Congratulations on opening your own firm. Thank you. There are a ton of women who want to get to where you are. And with everything being sort of fresh, what can you share with us? Was there hurdles upon launching a new practice? Oh, oh, definitely. And I'll tell you, I'm still learning something new every day about what I need to do or what I need to cover. And thank God my sister-in-law, who is also an attorney, is doing it with me because we're totally different. Like I'm a fly by the seat of my pants. Like I quit my job and started a law firm and I'll figure it out as I go where she's very planning and knows all the rules and all the everything. When I registered my LLC first, I didn't know that was public information and people track it to buy your website domain. So then they try to publish your website. I mean, it was just, I could write a book, like do it in this order and here's why. Were you afraid as you did this? It was the most terrifying thing I've ever done. But I was also at the point where I've got to change my circumstances and what's what I'm doing is not working. And my sister-in-law, with the timing, it just worked out for us to perfectly go. I would say I'd be even more scared if it wasn't for her. Also, we kind of can bounce all these ideas off of each other and be like, is this normal? And I think, so someone told me like, you'll be scared for the first year until you really figure out your cash flow and how to allocate your time. And so I hope it doesn't take me that long to not be scared, but it's, it's like every three days I'm like, 
a little nervous about money coming in and then we'll get a case that pays or, you know, like something like that. So it all takes care of itself. You just have to kind of fake it till you make it. What was the best piece of advice you heard prior to opening your firm aside from, you know, purchase your domain before you file for the LLC? (laughs) (laughs) Before we started our own law firm, I don't know that I have a solid piece of advice so much as it was like a lot of local women attorneys that I really respect were like, you're not going to enjoy this job if you try to take it because you don't like family law or you're not going to enjoy this. And so they really helped me be like, have faith. The money will work out. Continue doing what you know, what you know you do well. And eventually those cases start coming in. People refer to other people. It all works out. So it was kind of like this like women power, like you can do it. You're a good attorney. You can do it. And so it wasn't so much like one statement, but I had a great support system for setting that up and asking all my dumb questions of like, where do I get malpractice insurance from and things like that. Everyone had totally guided me and helped me starting out, which was great. One of the things that's not discussed very often is how law firms get funded. Can you share with us how you raised the capital to start your own firm? Sure. I have a a lot of side hustles. That's kind of my fun thing to do is like random things. I like from spray tans to wedding makeup, like a whole variety. So like I have all these multiple forms of income. I was able to kind of streamline into what I wanted to be my little nest egg for the law firm. And so I was able to kind of get more money that way because I was working at a firm before regular salary and everything. And so that's how I was able to kind of bank things because there are a lot of expenses you need to front. As you know, like for everything from administrative to we do a lot of PI cases, like my sister-in-law does PI. And then my cases, it's all contingency. So we're fronting all the expenses and fees and sinking those costs with the hope that we get paid a percentage of what we're able to recover. And so having my little side hustles helped me get the, this like comfort zone, you know, so that I could feel okay to do that. Because once you get going, cases start kind of covering each other through your operating account. But initially I was like, uh, it might be a little while before we have a check. What would you say are some non-negotiables when starting a firm that you would spend like top dollar on? Find out where you want to keep all your files initially, because migrating them over is a nightmare. That is the one thing that you should not be cheap on because you know, as attorneys, we have to maintain those. They have to be secure. There's all these regulations. So really, if you're going to skimp on something, don't do it with wherever you're storing your files and make sure that they're backed up. Because we had an instance, we had to migrate some, it was a nightmare. Everything was fine and worked out. But like, that was like just another stress for a week that you could have, I could have avoided if I had, if I had not tried to go the cheapest route. That's one of them. You know, I will say what, what I wouldn't spend a ton of money on is a website. Like I got it really cheap through GoDaddy and and once you own the domain and everything, it generates the whole website. I mean, you can edit a few things or add things in here and there, but, and it looks great. Like my friends and family were like, great job, you know, formatting your new website. It looks great. And I literally put four words in it. I was like, Mm -hmm. I was like legal content and it did it. So that's something I wouldn't just because that's not where a lot of my traffic comes from, but you do need it. But that's something that I was like very impressed with the whatever basic GoDaddy package. I think it was like 12 bucks a month or something for this great looking website. Is it generating leads for you? The website? Yes, it does. It has like a little questionnaire box so people can send me like their question and I can respond by email and kind of direct it if we don't do it or help them get help. But most of our leads come from either people we know or social media through like TikTok, for example. So the website, I think, is a secondary thing people check to see if we're real, you know, and then then they reach out because we see the visits, but the traffic there is less than like our, our, our other forms of social media. 
Yeah, it's a trust factor, which it's so interesting because it's almost reversed from what we typically see, which is where they will go to the website is like the first part. And then they go to the social to see like, oh, this is a real firm. Like, oh, these are real people. And you have sort of flipped that (laughs) where they're finding you on social first. It's a blessing and a curse. So like our brand is more personal. Like you can contact us. We are very present on social media. It's great. But the problem with it is it's like, you never get a break. I'm getting Facebook messages at all hours of the day because we are a personal brand. So it's good and bad. And we're trying to find the balance to that. But it is different. You say that, that it's backwards because I mean, I sometimes will be, I get messages at like 2 a.m. on Instagram that it's from like another country and they want to know the employment laws. And I'm like, would you message any other law firm and ask this? Like, probably not. But so we just have to find the balance of that. But it is interesting. It's different. Yeah. I think, again, what you just said, it's super interesting because um, the accessibility that you're sort of offering potential clients works to your advantage because you're going to collect people because it's easy but then also to your disadvantage because you're kind of (laughs) working 24 seven. Yeah. Hopefully as you grow, you can put the infrastructure so that it's not you having to answer that message at 2 (laughs) a.m. Or that'd be like the only thing I do. Yeah. Cause it's a lot. It's like a full-time job running all the social medias separately because it never stops. Oh yeah. We have a whole team. So I can't, I can't even imagine. Yeah. Yeah. We have four or five people, you know, running socials. So I can't fathom. Yeah, that's that's what I would like one day eventually. You'll get there. <laughs> uh, so you saved money on a website. <laughs> what do you have any other sort of money saving hacks that you've discovered? So we have a different office space that I'm able to use because we don't have like a regular office. And I think starting out is the way people really get stuck with costs that they are just eating. That's not necessarily a profitable cost that you need to invest. It's like we don't need this big fancy formal office because we're able to rent space for a depot if we need it, or my friend will let us use their conference room, or I'm able to have good connections like that. Again, those friends who are like, we know what it's like starting out, don't spend money on rent, because depending on where you at, it's like astronomical in St. Louis and in the surrounding area. So I would say if you're just starting out, don't, everything's virtual now, especially like with what I do with employment law, it's all online. So don't, think you have to have this big formal office and like all the bells and whistles decorated. Like that's great if you're able to afford that. But if you're not, you can still be professional, still be available and and just use space as needed. And it that saves a lot of money. Your clients don't have to come into an office to have a conversation with you. They can access you via email, instant messaging. And I think it's just like people want to access a lawyer the same way they do other services. So Walk us through what a typical day was like when you were kind of at your previous firm to what it's like now owning your own. So content creating and making legal informational videos gives me a lot of joy. And I wanted to spend like all my time doing that. And so I still had my other work to get done as a full-time lawyer at the other firm. So I would literally do my regular work. It would give me content to film, like going to court, doing these things, but I'd have my regular eight hour day or so. And then I would get done and immediately start making videos until I made maybe three for the day because I was trying to post three a day to keep my engagement up. And so then it was like a a part-time job after my full-time job every night because it is tiring. When I first decided I didn't want to do that anymore, it was just really wearing me out. I couldn't keep doing that. I was like, well, I'll just make content full-time. But then my sister-in-law coming on board, my time 
hasn't changed so much as now I can pick a day if I just want to make a bunch of videos or do a Q&A, you know. So it's given me a lot more freedom, which has stressed me out less because I can kind of move things around more. Even if you end up working more hours, if that time is flexible, you feel like there's more freedom. So I think that makes a ton of sense. And you're you're right about content. One of my favorite trends was when people just like record themselves making jewelry or sewing and they're like, everything is content. Everything is content because it is exhausting trying to come up. I mean, you have to do scripts sometimes and figure out angles and lighting and there's a lot that goes into it. And following up to comments even was exhausting to me because it's like you're constantly engaging with people. So it was just way too much to continue trying to do all of that. And now one day I won't post, but I do all my legal work and I'm not bothered. You know, so having a balance is what was really important to me. To her followers, Paige is the authority on employment law, but that wasn't always the case. I didn't know a lot of employee rights, especially myself when I was an employee. So I was clerking at a place. I didn't like what was happening or the way I was going to be treated. And I complained about it using the proper legal language by accident. It's actually this guy was dating at the time. He was like, you should probably say that just in case. And I'm like, brilliant. It was like the only good advice he ever gave me. But anyway, (laughs) so I made this complaint and preserved my rights accidentally and started getting involved in employment law. And I could have had a case regarding that. And so that's when I was like, you know, that kind of first piqued my interest. And then as I was doing employment law, I'm like, wow, I didn't know it's illegal to prohibit your employees from talking about your wages. I've been told don't do that at working at blah, blah, blah. And so those little things were really interesting to me and why I can relate to it because it's things that I have experienced. And I think that's what's different too, is like that employment situation I was talking about. I have been that person that's shaking, scared to send the email because we're using this scary word. We've never been told to say discrimination before. You know, that's a big deal. Don't say it. And so I know what it feels like. I know how scary it is. So that's why it's nice. Sometimes I can talk with people and be like, just trust me on this. If you say it, you're good. Just keep working and they can't retaliate against you. You've got to trust me. I know what you're going through. And so that's how I relate because I've been scared like that before. Yes. That's the best way to. Who are you hoping to educate? I like to educate the average Joe person. Obviously, I only know Missouri employment law, so I can't, I don't do cases all over the country, but there are federal laws that do apply to everybody, like being able to discuss your wages. That's a federally protected right. And so my goal is that we kind of debunk some of these employment myths. I would like people to know their rights more in the workplace because it's so kind of predatory anyway for the employer-employee relationship usually. So that's my goal is if everyone can feel a little more comfortable if they stand up to a bad boss then they know they're right in the law, for example. Or what I've also been liking, which kind of makes me like tear up a little bit when people commented, is there are so many people who have reached out to me that are like, I'm a 1L and I want to do employment law. Like, thanks for the videos. You're an inspiration. Those kind of things. I'm I'm a sap. So I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> like, those are my two things. When those things happen, I'm like, that's pretty cool. Very, very cool. Let's talk about your content. Let's talk about your videos. You have so many. What, do you have a cadence or a posting schedule that you, that has worked for you? No. <laughs> Oh God. I try. It's all, it's like right now it's whenever I can find time because we're so busy. I try to do one a day, but sometimes that is a lot. And so my, my goal, so apparently the algorithm likes three to four videos a day with like on brand content. You don't want to do a lot of trends if you're trying to get followers because everybody's doing that. That's boring. Do things that are different, like information where you're the authority and the knowledge, you know. And so I have a lot of success with those videos. 
I'll sometimes I'll stitch things if I'm having like a lazy day where I'm like, I don't want to make my own content and I'll just do a quick response. That's the most recent one that like took off too. And I kind of hate when they do that because all these new people that don't follow me see it and they're like, blah, 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 you don't know what you're talking about. So, so the viral videos can be good and bad, but I, there, there's no rhyme or reason. They just randomly will take off. And so I don't have a set schedule either. Wow. So how much time do you think you spend on making a video? It depends on the video. Usually the ones I'm responding to is information I know for sure off the top of my head. So I don't have to do a lot of research. Those can take maybe 20 minutes of video by the time I record it, edit it, caption it, that kind of thing. If it's something I have to look into, like there's one right now I've been putting off comparing a lot of employment agreements people have sent me in. I know that's going to take hours. So I'm like, maybe I'll do it this weekend. It just depends on the content, but usually they don't take me too long to do. Do you have any processes or anything that you've put in place that can help help you streamline it? Yes. So I have ADHD and I have the memory of a goldfish. And so I forget (laughs) things and I'll be like driving. I'm like, Ooh, that would be a great TikTok idea. Or, Ooh, that's a good question. If I'm doing like an intake with someone and I realize that's a good scenario I want to draw attention to. So early on, I've always done it. I have this huge note app in my phone that has literally 55 million TikTok ideas. And so I forget them and they're there. And so, or whenever I'm like, I'm burned out, I don't know what to do content on. I can just go through my list and see, I was like, oh, that was a good idea. I'll do that. Yeah. I, I can't tell you how often talking to law firms and CEOs and executives, and they have these very complicated like tools and processes and all these different things. And most people are just using the notes app on their phone. (laughs) (laughs) I keep it simple. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just, it's easy. You can get to it. It's right there. You can just take stuff right off the top of your head. So it's so funny how advanced stuff has come and yet people still just pull up the notes app. (laughs) Yeah. And I prefer that actually like being more simple. I like to brain dump there as well and then kind of put it where it belongs. Um, Are there any other tools that you use like scheduling or anything like that? I only use my phone. I don't use any different lighting. I just stand by a window. Like I don't have any fancy process for doing this, which I think is why I get a good interaction is because it's more relatable. I want to feel like you're just FaceTiming and you're talking to me like this. And so that has worked well for me. So I think the most fancy I get is sometimes I'll put my phone on a little tripod that I got on Amazon. That's about <laughs> it. Yep, it's good. If it's working, keep doing it. <laughs> a lot of the videos that you make kind of highlight aspects of the legal process that can be very intimidating to the lay person. And it makes it so much more accessible. And you talked about kind of like your comment section and people who don't follow you. Do you feel like you're building a community? I do, especially because the people that do follow me, like are the most loyal people in my life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They know my dog's name. They know my horse's name. And if someone says something rude to me on there, they're at them before I even (laughs) see it. Like we really do have a little legal community. And you know, what's cool too, is these people will now tag me in different posts they see of what, like if they see an employment law question that someone makes on their own and it's not getting a lot of views or something, I'm getting tagged in all these different ones and helping a bigger base of people than that just see my stuff potentially. So that's what's cool is they all tag everybody. And we have our little lawyer community on TikTok too, which is nice because if I get a case that I don't do, like it's in California, I can send it to my buddy Ryan and be like, he'll take care of you. You know, that part's cool too. I love that. So you will have a buddy, Ryan, in California on TikTok, a TikTok follower that you're sending referrals to. 
Yep. Or I'll be like, Hey, this was a case. Someone asked me about, I don't know, California law, but they're crazy. So I'll be like, they're not getting lunch breaks. Is that a case? And he'll be like, let me talk to him. So yeah, we have a couple different lawyers that I know literally only through TikTok that we can reciprocate referring things to. We only know each other through TikTok. We had like one meetup in Vegas where we met a couple of each other and otherwise we'll like say hi to each other on lives and that's it. <laughs> I love that. I really do. It's just, it's kind of different, but it's, it's like the, what people do now. Yes. Yes, it is. I think there's a massive sort of gap between the way things that were done and the way things that are kind of starting to be done. I'm very curious to see where it leads. <laughs> so with all the exposure and your audience really kind of getting to know you, what you're saying and trust your authority, is this translating to leads? It does translate to leads and it's only because I can only take Missouri cases and, you know, I do the disclaimer in all the posts because the ones I do are just general. It's for informational only, not legal advice. So I have my email and some people will use that to send me their specific question because obviously I'm not going to, and I even say that in the comments. I'm like, this is public. I don't want to comment on here, you know, talk with a local lawyer or you can email me and I can try to help. And so sometimes it does. Obviously, I'm still working. I haven't retired yet. So nothing crazy because it is employment law. We're not making like six figures a case. But the most common way, so I actually will help write complaints for people that are still employed because they're limited in what I can do under Missouri law. So if they're experiencing a certain kind of discrimination and they don't know what to do, I'll be like, here's my suggested complaint for disability discrimination. Send it to HR this way. Let me know if they give you a hard time. And what the coolest thing is most of the time I never hear from those people again. So that's, what's cool for me because it's just a, it's a little bit of my time just to help them. And it's not a case, but it helped their situation. And that makes me feel good. So does your social presence, does that fit into your business model? It did, but kind of backwards, like you were saying before. So the firm I was at before I did just brand myself doing my own videos and that kind of thing. And so because that took off so much, I was able to have a business doing it where sometimes I create videos for other people, like they'll pay for videos if they want for like the same informational style, but for a different area. And so that kind of turned into a little side thing I do. And then also that's how we were able to open up the firm for the cases that I'm handling is because I had this big following and they have these questions and they just came with, they'd go wherever I go. What are some bright spots in the legal industry that you are optimistic about? We do a lot of local outreach. Sam, my sister-in-law and I last year, there's a local group, Young Lawyers Section, and it's run by the Missouri Bar. And we got to do mock trial with these high school kids and we were their coaches. And then we were both like, they put us in charge of children. Like (laughs) (laughs) they took it so seriously. Like they would be upset with us if we weren't prepared that day. You know what I mean? So nationwide stuff depresses me, makes me sad. I'm like out of sight, out of mind. But it's cool for me locally is that we do these different outreach things. So it's like you kind of forget about the crap of the world for a little bit when it's like my favorite mock trial kid that won their objection, you know. So that's what we really enjoy doing. And I like to distract myself with that a lot. (laughs) When an attorney reaches a level of exposure like Paige has, the social capital translates directly to increased revenue if captured and nurtured appropriately. But there is no one right way to create a client experience. Paige is finding what works for her and building a community in the process. A huge thank you to Paige for sharing her story and unbelievable insights with us today. You have been listening to Law Heart with me, Sonia Palmer. If you found this content insightful, inspiring, or it just made you smile, please share this episode with the trailblazer in your life.
For more about Page Sparks, check out our show notes. And while you're there, please leave us a review or a five-star rating. It really goes a long way for others to discover the show. And I will see you next week on Maher, where we'll shed light on how another of the brightest and boldest women in the legal industry climbed to the top of her field. 